0: Oh. Elliott,
1: off to the races, can they catch him?
2: No, they can't, touchdown! Samuel, cuts it back, Ohio State wins! basket spreading out, sets
0: up deep, over the middle,
2: touchdown,
0: Buckeyes! Fields
2: has time, watches it downfield, it's Olave, he's got it, touchdown, Ohio State.
0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the QB Draw. We at long last, after what feels like a decade, have a Buckeye football game to talk about. A real one, not a spring game, an actual live football game, and what a game at that. The Ohio State Buckeyes, um, if you don't know this, don't know why you're tuned in, but they beat the Notre Dame Fighting Irish 21-10 to in, uh, in Columbus on Saturday. Uh, in much more of a slugfest than I think any reasonable person anticipated, but um, still, uh, the Buckeyes take care of business. They do not cover the spread, but, um, you know, it, at this point, I don't really care after how the game sort of ended in the fourth quarter. Offense looks shaky to start, especially the passing game. Ryan Day seemed to be forcing the passing game despite some light boxes. CJ Shroud looks shaky. Uh, I, I'm kind of bearing the lead. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the team's best uh, playmaker, I'd say. Uh, went out on the first offensive series of the game with an apparent hamstring injury. Doesn't appear to be anything serious, but he could not go the rest of the night. But uh, the Ohio State defense was spectacular. And not to sound like a homer, but really only gave up chunk yards on two or three pretty fluky plays. Um, And and apart from that, just completely held Notre Dame in check and ultimately allowed the offense to uh, get their feet under them to put the game away in the fourth quarter with a monster drive by... uh, Mine Williams and CJ Stroud from over 90 yards out. Um, We got Aaron, John, as always, uh, and we have a special guest, Colton Denning. How are y'all doing?
2: Boys, I am so glad and happy to join the pod. Nobody calls me. I've gotten called for like three podcasts over the last three years. And every single time, it's when some bad shit happens. Because people want me to come on and they want me to yell and they want me to get my shit off. And so, like, I know a lot of people are kind of, like, upset about this game. But I am so excited to talk about this because I think that there's a lot of positives to take away from this game. And we were kind of shooting the shit beforehand of, like, uh, what it means for recruiting and kind of wishing that there was proof of concept and showing this team going forward. But I think that there's a lot of things to be excited about. So I'm excited to hear what uh, what you guys think about this game and chop it up. Yeah,
1: no, we really appreciate having you on, Colton. Like again, like I, I think if you had told me like a week ago that the score was twenty-one ten, all you you'd assume something went horribly wrong. And I guess you could make the argument that it it sort of did, right? Like uh Jackson Smith and Jigba getting hurt was not in anybody's plans. But the way that, that twenty-one points, especially those last those last that last major drive that, that as hinted at, right. Uh, the way that that went down and the way they just chewed that clock and just took the air out of that Notre Dame defense and that Notre Dame team really was just, it was a very, like, it was a complete football game, right? Like you have, um, and we'll, we'll probably get into numbers at some point, but you've got, you know, uh, a, a great mix of people catching the ball, a great mix of, you know, you, Trevion Henderson and Mayan Williams really kind of bringing two different speeds. And I thought, I really thought like an underrated part of the game from my perspective, and Trevion did not have the big home run hits that he had, um, you know, last year, of course. Uh, he, he What he sort of became famous for was, hitting it, hitting it out of the park, but he had some real solid like singles and doubles in there. I think like to use the baseball analogy where it was just, he was so patient. He was able to find holes and like, it is interesting sort of to compare and be like, Oh, Mayan Williams is a bowling ball. But like as if Trevion Henderson himself is like some, you know, finesse back, you know, that he's also uh, a winner of the grown ass man award for the week. So uh, On that last Mar-
2: drive, he stuck his head down and like literally yeah. into a Notre Dame defender's chest plate and just ran his ass over. Like, like he ran right he through that guy. Oh,
0: the somebody only first said- down they needed. That was yeah. That was that was violent.
1: Yeah, somebody one of the groups was like, uh "Man, like <laughs> Trevion watched what Mayan was doing. It was like, let me have some of that." And <laughs> sure enough, he went out and did it. Like. And like, do you guys just want to start on the defense, or do you want to start on the offense? Where do you guys? I want to start
0: to... with the negatives just to get out of the way. Um, right. I so let's talk about you know the passing game. CJ Stroud, uh, especially when JSN went out early, looked shaky for a lot of the game. He certainly improved down the stretch. Uh, still finished with a p- pretty pedestrian 6.6 yards per attempt. Um, I, I wouldn't say all of that was his fault. You know, I, I think uh, Marvin Harrison uh, in particular could have played made a few more plays. Um, but the passing game, you know, Marv uh, Marv and uh, Stroud both improved as the game went on. Uh, I should also mention that Cameron Babb and Julian Fleming were also out. So really, three of the guys who, uh, I mean, two of the four starters and then another sort of rotational piece at receiver were uh, were out for the Buckeyes, which, you know, I'm not here to make excuses for them. They have all the talent in the world at that room. Their, their third stringers would start on most programs in America. But uh, just from a rhythm rhythm perspective it, it's certain to mess with uh mess with the game plan especially in front of 106,000 people uh in a uh in the first game of the season so I I think um I'm not too worried about that going forward I think you know they've got especially these next two weeks um Toledo and Arkansas State not in that order to figure this out um I would sit Smith and Jigba for those two games personally but I mean if he's 100% in and to go they're saying he might play this week so you know Go for it, I guess. Um, And the one thing, the main positive I took away from the passing game um, before I seed the floor is that CJ Stroud made some off-platform plays, especially on the last touchdown drive of the game that was – the Mayan show for the most part that he would not have made last year. A lot of those plays where he was scrambling out and found one was to mine Williams on a great catch. One was to Marvin Harrison Jr. On a great catch. Um, those would have been dead plays last year, either a sack or thrown it out of bounds. Um, so that's clearly something he's worked on this off season and both for this team and for his sort of NFL draft, whatever stock, I think those are huge going forward for him.
2: I think you bring up a good point too Ezra on with the Jackson Smith and Jigba injury of it makes it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to play him next week for for multiple reasons one there's no reason to run him out there you don't mm-hmm. need Jackson Smith and Jigba to beat Arkansas State and two when you alluded to this was we we all know how much talent is in that room we know what Emeka Obuka can do we know we saw Marvin Harrison in the Rose Bowl but somebody brought up a great point to me after the game was we watched that Rose Bowl and we thought, okay, these guys are established vets, especially Marvin Harrison. Like, oh, he caught all those touchdowns. He's going to be a superstar. He really didn't get that much run last season at all. And as much as we heard the hype in the offseason and we kind of saw the clips here and there, the dude needs to get on the, out on the field against actual competition. And doing that against Notre Dame is much different than just doing it in a preseason camp Setting And so he's going to have have his up and downs. And I think that uh, to get him and Emeka Ibuka and Xavier Johnson and Jaden Ballard and have them be in those roles for those games, other than just like, hey, we can throw to Jackson 15 times, 16 times, whatever, that not only forces Stroud to kind of get out of his comfort zone, but it forces those guys to step up and like, hey, it's it's a lot different when you're the man than, hey, we're behind Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. So I think in the short term, there may be some pains, but in the long run, that's going to be a positive going forward. And I thought Ibuka, especially in that efficiency role, was spectacular. And I don't think any of us have any doubts of what Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be. He just needs to get out there on the field more, and he'll be he'll be able to prove it. In my opinion,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, I think you guys hit on a good point, like that getting that those reps under their belt. Right, there was a couple plays. You know, I mean, we can argue here and there, like. There were a couple throws that sort of stick out in my mind. There was one to Igbuka over the middle. It would
0: have been a touchdown if. uh, But
2: the thing is,
0: uh, not to interrupt you, but the thing is, on that play, Colton might have posted about this, but the three receivers on the right did not get out of their. uh, Did not get out of their. They were were talking.
2: There was a lot going on there. It didn't look like anybody was ready.
1: yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So that one, there was one where Marv, it was early, early in the game where Marv seemed to drift a little and not come back to the ball. And like, I don't know, it, it, it feels good that like CJ, CJ is like getting vocal with these guys and talking them through a lot of this stuff, which I think is, it shows an improvement and a maturity on his standpoint where, you know, where we're having like an honest conversation and a dialogue. Uh, um, you know, I, I thought Ballard looked, looked good. Um, if we're going to talk like greatest,
0: like, you know, biggest shocks that Mayan Williams catch, or we, like, ever yeah, ever I, either that or Xavier Johnson having the go-ahead touchdown. uh but I, You the, know,
1: and all um, the credit to, to Notre Dame there, like, on that Xavier Johnson touchdown, like you talked about, like, they sent the house, right? And, like, were reliant on a perfect throw to a guy who has played basically every
0: position under the sun for the Buckeyes – um alleged I mean he's a special teamer he's a former walk on spe- I mean like that's like I mean there's nothing wrong with being that but like that's what Xavier Johnson's been and wow I mean what a performance um I you, said
1: you, you talk about that like that was a throat stepping moment too like you score that touchdown and then immediately
0: after he like he blew up uh, a kick return which was Yeah a, an so awesome awesome sequence of plays by him i made the point on twitter that um he's had a better career already than uh, rudy ever did which I, yes. <laughs> I, I firmly stand by a few days after um yeah, so, yeah i wonder
1: who plays him in the movie
0: uh do you think he's
1: you know he's he's probably if, if we get it cranking now we could probably get
0: like michael b jordan to play that that, that, that was my initial thought like a like a NBA, my career, 2K, my career type, uh, type movie there. Um, I yeah. think that would, I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah. We love that. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, I, all in
1: all, like, would love to see a little bit more out of the game, but I think like you said, like the maturity and the getting out of the pocket thing to me is huge because it just adds like just so many different dynamics, like being able to play at all speeds now, I think is so huge because you need to have that long drive when you know things are shaky on the if things are shaky on the defensive side like you're you're allowing them to kind of get calm and get some water in them because I feel like last year obviously with the the, the poorest defense like when you score in two plays then all of a sudden you've gotta you know you're you're right back on the field again you have no time to debrief what you saw um and certainly in that second half they had plenty of time to break down what they saw uh you know like the time of possession I remember in the first half they were really really hyping that up right from a broadcasting perspective they were talking all about how like you know Notre Dame controlled the pace of play in that first half and and they did and then all of a sudden just like that third quarter you know uh third quarter hit and it was it was go time and uh you know I was a little shocked to see uh, particularly like out of the half, like how pedestrian of a drive that they put together. But I I, I do think what we are going to hopefully see is Ryan Day learning and saying like, Hey, we don't have to force the pass this year. We've got an offensive line of dogs and uh, you know, maybe we can, maybe we can rely on that run game a little bit better and that third, the third and short run game, like especially on that major major drive that we talked about, just so so nice to to have. Yeah, with.
0: yeah. Um, the, the the drive out of the half that you brought up uh, was sort of like the uh, reverse version of the shitty, terrible drive uh, in the first half of the. I mean, this first drive of the second half of Michigan last year was three terrible runs, uh, and this was just three terrible pass plays, and it's just like, well. Uh, I, 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 that was probably the peak of my nervousness. I still really didn't think they were in danger of losing, but I'm like, God damn it, this is going to be a game going to the fourth, isn't And it was, it was. But uh, you know, Ohio State was pretty firmly in control just because of how well that defense was playing. Which brings us to Jim Knowles' defense. I um, was skeptical when he said we expect to have a top five defense. There's still no guarantee of that happening, but my God, did they look the part on Saturday? Um, Just first.
1: That first series, right? Like, well, first series we could get into, but that first play, I was like, oh, shit, here we go again. Like, you know. I mean,
0: that, that like, we can get, like, there's a sidebar to have about the bullshit fluky plays that Notre Dame had between that, where Josh Proctor just missed a tackle, um, and there was a questionable, I think, uh personal uh personal foul call on JT Tui um the crazy Julian Edelman-esque diving catch that that one guy had and then I the, the sort of dive on the fade route where the one guy beat uh Denzel Burke. Mm-hmm. I I think they should have reviewed that because on the replay it did not look oh, yeah. like a catch to me um but that's besides the point I'm just uh doing my salty Buckeye fan thing um yeah the defense looks spectacular first time in years I think uh You really felt the defensive line the entire game. Mike Hall, uh, JTT especially. I think JT didn't have a great box score game, but I thought was superb. I thought Jack Sawyer showed me something. There was the one series where Notre Dame scored their lone touchdown where there were a bunch of uh, third teamers in there, which I think they should probably get that ironed out. Maybe don't have the designated third stringer series. Um, Colton, what did you come away with as your impressions on the defense?
2: My biggest thing is actually I, I don't think those plays that you brought up are a sidebar. I think that they're important to look at really the whole structure of this game and just how good the defense was. Because in the second half, Notre Dame had, what, 72 total yards? Like mm-hmm. they completely clamped them down. And those three plays that stood out for me were the 31-yard gain on the miraculous catch where the dude was on his back and Denzel Burke almost even like Punched dove it. in there yeah, to punch it away or try to pick it off. So that, that was 31 yards on that. There was the first play, which if Josh Proctor just makes a tackle there, like it's a 10-yard gain, that's 54 yards. And then uh, there was a the play literally right after the miraculous catch where Buckner had – it wasn't Mayer, but it was their other tight end wide open, and he kind of threw it above him, and he just stuck out his his left hand or his right hand, brought it in, and it got him to the 12-yard line. Those three plays, 107 yards, and I know like, you can't just say – hey, take away those plays. But if you do, without those three, Notre Dame had 5.2 yards per play in this game. Without those three, 3.2. Mm-hmm. They yeah. And part of that is because of Notre Dame, their offense was very <laughs> vanilla. And I think that was, as the game went on, Marcus Freeman and that staff said, if we open this up, they're going to open it up defensively and they're going to kill this kid. Like and, now, Notre I- Dame, they played that game like a service academy. Like that Mm -hmm. was the game plan, and and they really tried to take the air out of the ball in the first half, like you said, and just as it went on, you could tell how confident the defense was. You could tell that, like not only the interior of the line, but like you said, JTT man, not a massive box score game, but you just go back and watch him. I mean, he's shedding dudes. Though they set the edge so well, him and him and Sawyer, and I think even Teron Vincent, like. He's not going to be TFL guy. He's not going to be SAT guy, but he's going to be the big ass. And I mean this in a great way. The big ass blob in the middle who yep. they aren't going to be able to move. And that's going to be such a big deal for the people behind him. Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg. And they benefited tremendously because uh, Both yeah. those guys killed it. The linebackers were unbelievable. Like, boys, how nice is it? to just watch linebacking play and be like, these guys are flying around. They know what they're doing. They know where they're going. And like, they're, they're being used to their strengths. Like we all, I, I feel like, like it doesn't take away anything that we saw last year from what we said about Eichenberg or the rest of the defense. Cause all that stuff was valid, but you look back at it and it's like, okay, these guys just needed coaching. They needed yeah. somebody to direct them and use them to their strengths and now we're seeing that in, like, those two guys in particular were just flying around and Steel Chambers, to me. Like, Eichenberg had the – as good a game, I think, as Mike Hall, but Steel Chambers on that third and whatever it was, eight on the first uh, field tracked, goal
0: drive. He tracked. Oh, my yeah, God. That was, that he, was he, he yeah, just got of on a that run.
2: That was yeah. unbelievable. And I, I do think, like, there is a, a level of, hey, how much do we – Like you said, Ezra, go back and look at uh, Jim Knowles saying top five defense and balance that with like, okay, this is one game. But also like if that's the first game, then this thing's going to look pretty good because all those guys look confident. And uh, the communication on defense to me, if you just watch those guys, everybody looks so comfortable and nobody's going to talk about him. Tanner McAllister for me is so important to this defense. He played all but one snap and it looks like just in the in terms of getting people lined up and ready to go, it's important to have that dude back there, and I think that having him and everybody else there, the way they communicated, like, man, this thing's going to be rolling by midseason. I can't wait to watch these guys and how they really open it up going forward.
1: Yeah, that, that Eichenberg sack, man, like, it, I, was, I was watching. Both of something. them. There were
2: two of them. There were
0: two, there of, were them. two of
1: them. The, the one, it was the one where he, like somehow got in untouched and like well that was just, great play design that was great yeah, play design. exactly because, that's what i was just gonna say it's like mm-hmm. when, when was the last time the ohio state defensively had great play design right like i i can't like it, it probably dating even, back to
0: even halfley it was just like all right uh okuda chase young go do your thing like there really wasn't anything like that that season yeah
1: scheming up scheming up a shot on the quarterback right so Let's look into these these numbers, right? So, you, like you said, like Lorenzo Styles, fifty-four yards. Which, first of all, if Sonny has Lorenzo's speed, I don't think he should be
0: suited up for Ohio State. It was a, that was a JT Barrett esque uh, <laughs> after He's that he got
1: down catch. the sidelines, <laughs> and it was like, oh my heavens, dude, what in the hell is what's going on here? Like Combat,
0: just, not, I, I thought it was a touchdown. Like it was just wide yeah. open grass. Yeah, um,
1: and just got got caught. By, yeah, somebody. But Ronnie then you get into, it, into it, think, you're yeah. like, all right. So outside of Mayer, right? Which again, we could talk. Mayer about, only but, had
0: like six yards per reception,
1: Yeah, five receptions for thirty-two yards, and he had that yeah. one, really one big play, right, where he fumbled it himself,
0: and then he yeah, on that third down, him. that that was honestly a gut punch. That was a tough play. Um, but
1: like again, we we talked. I talked about this last year with the defense, where it's like I prefer, you know, your one big play, like. Like you say, like there's three big plays, three to five big plays in this game. I prefer that a hundred times out of a hundred over the death by a thousand cuts that we experienced last year, where it's just like, uh, oh, here's three yards, here's five yards, here's automatic first down. And like, so then you, you look into it. Remember, I remember a very, very clear point in the second quarter where they emphasized Tyler Buckner was eight for eight, eight for eight completions. He finished the game 10 for 18. So he had, t- he went two for 10 to finish that game. Right. Um, okay. I believe there was, I believe the the third quarter play was in that mix, but just could not get him comfortable the whole game. And again, like you said, like they were trying to keep it as, you know, pedestrian as possible for him. But when you cannot 76 rushing yards net the whole game, right. Uh, like you know, uh, if you if you subtract even the tackles for loss, right, they had a hundred total yards on thirty carries. Like that is just insane, right? Like they just mm-hmm. could not find it. They have big bruising backs, right, that just could not. And and you look at like Chris Tyree got involved, and they were like jet sweeps and stuff like that. So his long run was was fourteen. Uh, Audric Estime had like his long run of eight fucking yards like mm-hmm. just could not like you know i mean it, it was just you can't say enough good stuff about the way that that defense played and you know like you said like first game like i don't know what to take about it take like, away from it like i don't know if this is necessarily a top five defense but like shit when you're being compared to getting
0: absolutely torched by tulsa last year like the the the, there's no um, comparison. Like I, 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 don't know how like re- how relative to the nation this defense will stack up. I'm very optimistic on it, but I just don't know yet. But compared to 2021 Ohio State defense, there's no comparison. Like you could just yeah. tell it's a different it's a different universe. Um, the the one thing I other thing I wanted to uh say on the defense is I think you know we've all been waiting for uh Zach Harrison to be like the star pass rusher. I kind of stopped waiting a year or so ago, but uh. You know, I I think he is so much better suited for a complementary role in heavier sets uh, where he can sort of play to his strengths of run defense. And just being uh, he doesn't really have, you know, that those pass rush moves that uh, guys we've seen in the past and maybe a guy like uh, Tui Maloa has. But he does have. Great athleticism, great strength, and um, just a, an ability to play the run and eat up space. So I think he he will have a much more successful year in the eyes of a lot of Buckeye fans. Um, do you all have any closing thoughts on the defense?
2: I have a couple. One to to that notion. Imagine uh you know you're on you're on your third down set and your defensive line is Zach Harrison and Mike Hall on in the interior and JTT. And Jack on the outside, all rushing the passer on those third and longs. Like, there's a lot of fun stuff that they can get into uh, as the season goes on. But the only other thought I have about the defense, just singling out individual guys like Lathan Ransom, the fact that he even played is amazing because of how ugly that injury was in the Rose Bowl. But he played all but four snaps, and like for the people who haven't gone back and watched yet go back and just watch Lathan Ransom. Not only is he making tackles, like he was in the box and he was 2 3 yards like playing like a linebacker and he was mm-hmm. hitting dudes. And back to our what we were you saying about guys just being used to their strengths. Like if you told me last year uh Lathan Ransom is going to be inside the box hitting running backs, I'd be like, eh, "Days probably not going pretty well, is it?" Yeah he he showed that he can do that and that's not something that I knew he had in his game and again it's just one instance but the fact that they have all these different players who you're like who have been around and you're saying like oh I didn't know that guy could do that and he's doing it well that's scary man that's really scary and it's something to like that's just if Knowles is you know not bullshitting which I don't think he is uh, in saying that everything was pretty much basic like, what, ha- what does this look like when they really, really open it up or when a yeah. team that isn't trying to just take the air out of the ball, when they when the offense is clicking and Ohio State's up 10, 14, 20 points mm-hmm. and they got to throw, what do those pressure packages look like? Who's coming yeah. off the edge? What do those specialty blitzes look like? like? That's going to be so much fun.
0: I really want to see how uh, JJ McCarthy reads those blitz packages in November. I, I'm i uh, <laughs> looking forward you to know,
1: that. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be certainly interesting, you know. Like I I think yeah, like it's just it's playing with a whole different level of intensity too, right? And not just like a bat out of a hell, like like just trying to promote violence, like which is which is nice sometimes, you know. Like as a Florida State fan, like it's nice to see some violence every once in a while. But uh, like, they're just, it, it seemed like you said, like everybody knew their role. Everybody knew where they were supposed to be. And it didn't look like really at any point, like last year, you could see the look like like the, the white in everybody's eyes as they're trying to figure out where the fuck they're supposed to be standing in this Kerry Coombs system, right? Like you're, you're, you've got guys like Tommy Eichenberg, um, you know, I don't know if I'd necessarily call him a cerebral player. But, uh, you know, he, 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 they like you could see him going through the motions of like, where am I supposed to be? And it just seemed like everybody knew where they were supposed to be this whole game. You're playing with some big motherfuckers up front and you're it, you're asserting your will. Right. I saw that the, the, something like they made contact with uh, with at or beyond the line or at or behind the l- line of scrimmage like. A cr- like sixty three percent of snaps or something like that. That is crazy. I, I would. <laughs> what do you think that the number was in that that Michigan game? Did we ever touch anybody
0: at Probably, the line? No, I. That was they were playing against air. Um, and, and Lathan Ransom to that to that effect said something after the game, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he he essentially said uh, we were called soft for you know six seven eight months, and we just had to sit there and eat it. And yep. I think this was a really cathartic performance for that defense uh, yeah. because they won a grinded out football game. And not that I, I think they were glad that the offense were wasn't clicking uh, early, but I'm sure they relished the opportunity to, to go win a slugfest. Um, and we did gloss over it. I just, uh, you know, I, I've I've given uh, my fair share of crap to Tommy Eichenberg. Um what, what a transformation. I like that. That's a new man. Like I have, he was flying around the field with his hair on fire. Um, I'm sure his job has sort of been simplified. Um, it, it's a more complex defense, but at the same time, I, I think all these players are playing with a renewed sort of, um, attack mindset where they're not thinking all the time. It's sort of an ironic, uh, difference. I, the Kerry Combs defense, um, and you know, don't get me wrong. Kerry Combs has contributed a lot to Ohio State, but it was uh, it was a sort of thinking man's defense that really was just cover three every play, um, which is a really bad combination. And the early returns on Knowles seem to be that the players, uh, for the players, it's simple; for the opposing coaches, it's complex. Which I think is really the perfect sweet spot
2: you want to hit. And you're just playing the guys' strengths, and you're using them in different roles. And I think that's such a great way to put it. It's simple, but it's also extremely complex. And I, I think my real—I wonder what you guys, what your opinion is on this because we really didn't get into corners at all. Because I mean, they didn't—they didn't factor into it really at mm-hmm. all. Denzel Burke, you know, was was in on a couple plays. He had a nice PBU in the second half. Cam Brown was in on a couple plays. I Cam he had Brown a was nice great. pass breakup. Yeah. But it, to me, what if if we're talking about like we're big up and everything with the defense is If there's anything we're going forward, we're like, uh, this is kind of tenuous. Is what does that depth look like? And that's where kind of back circling back to what we said about receiver and getting uh, young guys to play. It was obvious last week when Ryan Day came out and said like, hey, rotations going to be pretty thin. Like he wasn't he wasn't bullshitting there. He was telling the truth this week. Whether it's the first quarter or the third quarter, whether they're up 30 or it's a tie game with 14 minutes left in the first quarter, especially at corner, we need to see Jordan Hancock. We need to see J.K. Johnson. We need to see a lot of dudes in the back end of that secondary and even at linebacker because they do have to start building depth there. So like going forward, that's really my only concern or question mark about this defense is, okay? we know this top level. It looks pretty good. What's there behind it? What's that depth look like? And we need to get those guys in plan because they're just one play away from having to step into a role that they've never had before.
0: Yeah. Um, I, uh, I give the cornerbacks an incomplete grade. I, I think it's tough to sort of come yeah. away with a strong conclusion on that. There were a couple of plays where I, I think Denzel Burke could have played it better, but also a couple of plays he just got flat unlucky on. Um, I thought Cam Brown was, was very, very solid. Um, I have no complaints there, but as you said, I would love to see Hancock and, uh, Johnson. Um, yeah. Uh, John, do you have any more thoughts on the defense? I want to, there's another topic I want to sort of get into, but, uh, any more thoughts on sort of the defensive personnel?
1: Uh, no, I mean, I, I, again, like I selfishly, right. Like I I would love to see like, you know, and, and we will get the opportunity in weeks coming, right. Where, maybe we can see some CJ Hicks out there and like maybe we could see some sunny styles, like get some of the new guys involved and, and, and see what, you know, cause they, they brought in a few, like, again, like if, if any of those freshmen can kind of add more depth to that D line, like I, that is also already crazy deep, like just any, any things that we can add from a personnel standpoint, I think that's, that's so huge, but um all in all just a crazy crazy good game crazy good defensive performance to hold any offense in college to ten points let alone like a top ten you know a top five team in the country um I think to, I think
0: they're like a 10 and two team you know they're yeah. nine and three ten and two which you know probably not ending the year top five but a, a solid enough team um yeah uh so the next thing I want to talk about is not really football related I just sort of wanted to Give a shout out to sort of the spectacle of Saturday night. Um, I think it was, you know, I just from watching on television, it looked like an absolutely incredible atmosphere. You know, 106,000 people, celebrities, but celebrities who actually care about the football team, namely LeBron James and his son. Like, say what you want about uh, LeBron's uh, rooting interests over the years. The one he's never wavered on is uh, Ohio State. So um, I, I it's, fun, it's always fun when he's there. Um, if you caught the uh, Bill Landis and Jeremy Birmingham talking after the game, they said that uh, LeBron emerged from the opposite tunnel that uh, all the visiting recruits were on. And almost instantaneously, the recruits uh, flew over to where LeBron was and all, you know, started mingling and having pictures. And it really was, you know, Andre Iguodala was there. Evan Turner was back there. Justin Fields was there. Chase Young was there. Uh, Jason Tatum was there and assigned Ted Ginn jersey, which is just one of the coolest things Wild. I've ever seen. <laughs> Wild, Watch, um, like I,
1: I'm glad you got to Tatum because I still can't understand. Like, uh, you know, I, we we we've now done the digging, right? We have uh, the Cretans of the internet. Uh, shout out our, our our wonderful listeners. They've dug through the tweets. They found out he's he's uh, he's an Ohio State fan through and through. Respect to him, but like, did not expect to see that. Um, also, I want to talk about a controversial name that that, that attended the game, a uh, uh, Mr. Joe Shiesty himself. Um, yeah, uh,
0: for all the LSU fans who wanted to sever any t- connections he had, he's had to Ohio State. Uh, it seems like he values day. his undergraduate degree from from uh, the Ohio State University quite a bit. Uh, well, I
1: don't know, and after watching uh, Louisiana State play football last <laughs> night, I don't know how many former players are going to be hanging around that program anymore. At least
0: while, at least while uh, the drill sergeant Brian Kelly himself in there is there. Um,
2: yeah. y'all think that Mike Elko saw Jason Tatum at the mm-hmm. game and was like, hey, what the fuck, man? Yeah. like that you weird. couldn't get you to come to the dude <laughs> come on um, and like for the for the ohio state fans because there are some that still have this like because i mean they you know you got a bunch that are Cavs fans obviously like that there's still that weirdness with lebron or like mm-hmm. oh, lebron never played here like whatever it's a very a practic- specific demographic i think very specific but even for them like there's a practical purpose to it too guys that helps ohio state like you said those it means a lot for those kids to walk in and you see LeBron James there in Ohio in an Ohio State jersey and it's not just like oh he's there just to just to mingle and be like oh I'm LeBron James like he's actively into it and Mm -hmm. he's you can feel that energy coming from and like that is a big deal if you're 15 16 17 18 years old and I don't think a lot of people realize like it's not just that LeBron is an Ohio state fan. It's like, that's a big deal for the program. And it, it means something. And I think event, this has been like my own little side thought for a while, eventually like how Michigan and Oklahoma have the Jordan brand gonna, uniforms. I have thought this they need to the do thing. Yep. They've done the cleats that's and fair. they've actually put it on the graphics before too. They haven't done it in a couple of years, but eventually like for whatever it's worth for the people don't care about this shit, whatever. But that means something. And I would love to see them rock a jersey instead of the Nike symbol to have a LeBron symbol on that because nobody it's, else would have no it at least for that no portion. That yeah. would be cool because now that like Miami's, Adidas, like all the other schools you would think of that could get it, they probably wouldn't. The only other school would be like, now that Akron is Nike, maybe maybe it's Akron and that's, I that's not a threat. I would love to see them do that eventually even if it's just for like a bowl game whatever that would mm-hmm. be super cool if they could do that because that relationship it, it means a lot and nobody else has that yeah Well, that it, was the it, first time i'd seen him in like the recruiting
1: context right like you know meeting with recruits and like like it seemed like kind of graciously right like he was taking pictures with everybody uh which keon Keeley. i don't know if he's six seven often. six eight already like that is
0: absurd <laughs> That photo did you see the is, picture of them next to each other, Colton? It is ridiculous. It's
2: unbelievable.
1: Unbelievable. That That is a grown-ass man, uh, which, again, it would be fantastic if we could get him to play for the, for the program. But, you know, again, gracious guy. Like, enjoyed it. Uh, big big night for Ohio State hockey, too,
0: by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, He's wearing I'm sure the that's sweater. Like, yeah. that's
1: nuts. Uh, did not expect to see that. Did not know he was a, a Bucknuts uh, hockey fan. Um Shout out to, I believe I have a follower on Twitter who's like a huge Ohio State hockey fan, so I'm sure that meant a lot to them. Um, you know, and, and this isn't an NBA podcast by any context, but, you know, if I'm a if I'm a Celtics fan, which I'm sure they're the crossover of Celtics-Notre Dame fan.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: It's <laughs> probably there, a lot, lot more prominent. Like, I grew up in a Celtics-Notre Dame household, so I know that exists. But this is the second time uh, Jason Tatum and LeBron James have hung out together this summer. So uh, we'll, we'll be curious to see. You know, mm. I, I heard uh, sources on the ground saying, uh, Jason Tatum keeping an eye on the, the Cavs situation this year. So, uh, you know, checking out yeah, real estate. He, they uh, do need a three. Um, we need a three, you know. Uh, um, maybe some trouble in paradise, you know. Yeah, a, a star-studded event, but like... Just not... Yeah. Take away from, like, the whole thing. Because, like, sometimes, like, like the Super Bowl and, like, uh, Wimbledon, like, the major events where you've got celebrities and stuff there and other athletes, like, like where it almost becomes more about them being there. Like, I thought the coolest photo I saw was after Abuka's touchdown. It was, like, the former players. So, like, I, it, highlighted by Chris Alave, who was there, like, all of them like hands up, like touchdown when he scored, like getting hype for like what was going on, not just like having like a celebrity happy hour. Like that, that to me was so cool. Um, yeah, so I, I'm curious to see if like how good this relationship is moving forward. Obviously, I think um I'm reading tea leaves here, but I think uh LeBron James might be uh potentially, uh, attending more Ohio state athletic events. Yeah. That, that would
0: be something if Bronny attends, that would be uh, spectacular. Um, the, the other thing I sort of wanted to mention about the atmosphere is I have criticized the Ohio stadium crowds in the past as being, uh, geriatric and filled up by legacy season ticket holders who honestly, if anything, bring down the energy from, from the young people in, in the stadium, but uh, it, you know, I wasn't there in person, but just from uh, from afar, it seemed like it was electric. So props to props to the fans for that. Uh, it just it's always fun when Ohio State and Columbus and the football team is sort of the capital of the sports world, which it certainly was on Saturday night. And um, it's it's just something to it's it's nice.
1: I will say too, like one thing that I I wanted to check in on. Um, you know, uh, friend of the pod and, uh, possible listener, who knows, uh, Chase Brown, uh, now of 11 warriors, um, last year had, I guess, a thread of like interesting tweets about like 30 minutes before the game or 15 minutes before the game and like a very corporate crowd, right. Or, you know, not, not a whole lot close to, to capacity, but I DM'd him, um, you know, 30 minutes to an hour before the game. And he said the place was already rocking, which I know is huge. Right. So like, I'm hoping we can keep that energy kind of through the whole year. And obviously uh, the place probably won't be as hype for Arkansas state uh, <laughs> as Notre Dame. but, uh, but, you know, it, it's just something like that energy and getting that energy back. And, you know, cause again, like I think the team, the way that they played last year was very, very corporate, uh, 2020 season kind of included in that, like where it's just like, you're sort of just rooting for the machine or rooting for the Dow index at at that point. Um, So, you know, it's good to see some emotion back and good to see uh, people enjoying themselves. Um, I would say, you know, there's always going to be contingents of of opposing fans that attend games, but it was, uh, you know, some, some very nice crowd shots in there of, uh, Notre Dame fans over the course of the game kind of uh, losing their,
2: their interest in the all game. Uh, that emotion Notre- is so important too. Sorry mm-hmm. to cut you off. Notre- but like, it, it, I think you, I think you brought up a, a great point of kind of, and this is where I keep coming back to with like last year's team. And I hate that. I keep singling these two dudes out because they were probably the two best players on the team, but like for as great as Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were, there wasn't anything outside of that where I was like, "They're just great football players," but I never mm-hmm. was like, "They really are bringing something else, some juice, some leader, whatever it is, to the team." And back to the Xavier Johnson play, he scores the touchdown, and that that gets everybody hyped up. And then on the next play on kickoff, he throws a dude to the side and then makes a tackle. And he hits block. Yeah, that yeah. shit, shits crazy. Yeah. The place goes nuts. And that's what this team – one of the things that I think this team has been missing for the past couple of years is – and maybe Xavier Johnson isn't a big piece going forward, but, like, hopefully other dudes see that and, like, let's play with some attitude. Like, the, the identity of the team can't just be, like, we have a bunch of good players, we're better than you. And that's that's kind of what it's felt like, and that's why that drive, that 14-play, 95-yard, 7-minute drive is so important in the grand scheme of things because – that's the first real like fuck you drive Ohio state's had in how, like, you. I don't, I don't, you would have to really go to back. Be tw- it'd be
0: 2019, but there was probably a JK Dobbins drive. I'd assume.
2: Yeah. Um, like you, would, you would JK really
0: Dobbins have to go back a and think. So, and, you know,
2: and that's where <laughs> that's kind of, that's the last one I can think of was the Clemson drive. The last drive that ended in the intersection. Mm. That's where that drive was going until that moment in, and that drive, you could just feel it. And then for them to punctuate that with a touchdown, that means the world. And I think you tie it back to hopefully what that drive did. And what I think is the most important takeaway from this game, at least offensively, is hopefully that drive and that emotion and what they did and how the offensive line played, how the run game played there, finally gave Ryan Day the trust that he needs the run to game. see in yep. them to say, okay, look, even if the pass game is working, we have dudes that can run the ball, are willing, and they're going to have some fucking attitude with it, and yeah. they're going to push dudes around because, as physical as Travion and Mayan ran in the second half, as that half went on, there were holes. Like they were getting to the second level untouched, and so if if that line can just play, just not even dominant, but like you just play sound football, and when you need to run the ball, you can. It opens everything up, and I think it just all kind of it just ties back into what you're saying. With it, it's on the field, it goes to emotion off the field, and it transfers to us as fans and the people who are in the stands. Of like, okay, the identity of this team isn't just we're really good. It's like we're we're playing with some attitude, we're playing with some fuck you, and that's easy to root for, and that's easy to get behind, and that provides an atmosphere and an energy of a little bit of rowdiness, and that's really one of the things this team and this program has it's needed some extra juice the last few years and it felt like they had that on Saturday. Yeah,
1: I I you know, I am uh one of the internet's biggest uh proponents of Ryan Day
0: being a coward. Um <laughs> well the the punt was the punt was unacceptable. The
1: punt was cowardly. We could get into, like he's still cowardly. I, I
0: don't want to get into that. That punt was like what I don't get you know I I don't think there's too much to criticize here. I thought he I thought he had a not a great play calling game, but like I mean, this is a guy who who did a fake punt from minus territory down 14 in the Big 10 title game. Like yeah. maybe he was just sort of feeling very skittish about like the the game plan given that uh Smith and Jigbo was out and I'm sure he was the core central tenant of the game plan, but like where's that guy? I like I want to see yeah, I want to see well, like- more this season.
1: I mean, and then furthermore, like, right, like I, I was expecting sort of maybe a fake punt at some point, but it is what it is. But regardless, like if we can lock down and like if they can really commit to this, like having a run game, you have to not only respect, but revere, right? Like you have to, that's just going to inch linebackers forward. That's just going to inch people. Like it's just going to make people off. Uh, you, you, if you have, if you have the ability to attack at multiple different speeds, if you, if we can get sort of that, that top end passing attack sort of back, which I have no doubt at some point in the season, it will be clicking, but like, <clears throat> man, it's just, it, you, you finally get the chance to experience what other teams were experiencing all last year playing Ohio state, right. Where, you know, what, what, uh, Utah to an extent was experiencing what Oregon and what Michigan were experiencing where it's just like, ha you can't stop us. Right they're just looking you dead in the face telling you that the ball is going right through that gap and there's nothing you can do to stop it right like and that like having the ability to do that right that's uh it's it's harkening back to the gym Trestle days right we're going to have a uh, a powerful running game uh and again game's game, ball is a ball game of uh, of field position which i think ultimately helps but man oh man like just can't say enough good about like how despite, like, not covering the spread, which, you know... Well, they did miss a field goal, which always hurts. There was that also, like, a little bit, little bit in me that, like, kind of wanted one final fuck-you drive, right? <laughs> like, at the end of that game, like, three minutes in front they
0: of them. They did have the time, um, but... I- just when was up, of-
1: like a four-minute offense to just, like,
0: absolutely, like... The last time we had one of those, I think, was the national championship game in 2014. I mean, it was in 2015, but the 2014 national championship was the last time we genuinely had a drive by. And I I miss those. You know, I'm I'm not a sport, you know, I'm not too into sportsmanship when it comes to that. If you want, if you don't want the other team to score, stop them. Um, Yeah. But that Zeke Elliott drive to to go up 42 to 20 was, I think, the last time we really had that.
2: Well, and you make a statement to a coach who has kind of been here and there talking a little bit of shit and yeah. he kind of had a little bit of an attitude. It's, it's, a, it's a former player. And so like, you, you know, you kind of took it easy there, but to me, that's what made this game ultimately a positive and something great is like, like you said, like those games last year, they, other teams were dictating whether it was Oregon, Utah, even in games that they won Tulsa, Nebraska, Penn state, Every single one of those games, those teams said, we're dictating how this game is being played. And it felt like Ohio State was just like, oh, uh, uh, okay. And then they were so sloppy. As this game went on, it was like, no, actually, fuck you. Like, we'll play by your rules and we'll be better that's at funny. it. And that's yeah. what I loved about it. And that's why, if like you said, if you look at this game on paper and you, you didn't watch it and then you look back at the box scores last year, you might be like, oh, boy, so that was like the Tulsa game or that was like Nebraska or Penn State. When you actually watch it and you go back and look at it, there wasn't there were was some sloppy moments for sure, but there were never any times where I was like, "Oh, they're losing or they're doing this in spite of themselves." It mm-hmm. felt like you had to give credit to Notre Dame because they had a great game plan and they dictated the terms. But what was so impressive and what was a positive is that Ohio State was able to take that and say, "Okay, I guess this is how we're playing. Fuck you. We'll do that and we'll beat you at it and we're going to show a whole new side." Of what we're able to do, and if they're able to continue doing that, that's scary because they do need to be able to play in multiple different ways. And I don't think this was just like, "Hey, win ugly, win close." It was win physically, win with yeah, attitude, I and think, that's
1: something they haven't been able to do. I think there are other you know coaches around the country that thought they had an understanding, and and you know I'm included in that. I think I had an understanding of what Ohio State was going to be, and now you're sort of almost going back to the entire drawing board on it and being like, like, what is this Ohio state? Like, what are they cooking? You know? Um, You know, it, 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 like, if you go back and look at like some of the games last year where it would have been nice to have this, like you said, the Penn state games, the Nebraska games, games to have like five to seven minute drives where you are just taking the air out of the stadium you are vacuum sealing that bag and you are, you know, you're, you're asserting your will. Like, God, like it's, it just adds such a dimension to it. Like where you can't just bet on the pass game anymore. You know, you you can't just bet on having, you know, the, the offensive line was, was nasty,
0: right. Outside of a couple. Especially later in the game, earlier in the game, I thought they left a little something to be desired, but especially Paris Johnson, Paris Johnson, uh, he he had he had to have a proof. I mean he's in the midst of a prove it year given that um he wasn't uh he wasn't spectacular last season at his unnatural position of guard. Um but I, I thought he was fantastic at left tackle uh on Saturday night. Um he he really impressed me. Um Enoch Vamahi when he came in for Matt Jones, I'm not calling for him to take Matt Jones' job, but why? I mean he had some he had some nasty plays in there. I, I think they have six really, really good offensive linemen this season.
1: Yeah, like, and I thought Donovan Jackson was really good. Um, You know, like
0: again, just pending to one six, pending DeJuan Jones not getting a false start three times a game,
1: dude. Like, and they kept coming after fucking like, sort of like iffy catches or like plays at the sideline that I was like, oh shit, they're gonna like. I thought the flags were like them signaling like stop the game, we're reviewing it, but it was just always DeJuan (laughs) just jumping (laughs) off sides and like. Oh what the hell, man! Um, yeah, just great, great all around football game. Really, really digging the vibe right now. It's just, which is so nice. It's so yeah, nice. they
0: they have they have two basically. It, it is kind of odd. They they have they they just played maybe the te- the team that's the best or the second best on their schedule, defending how Michigan is in November, and now they have uh, two preseason games. Um, which is good. Uh, you know yeah. Rest up, rest yeah. up, Smith and Jigba. Um, get get the team going for Big 10 play. I don't think Wisconsin uh in 3 weeks will be a, a, a terribly tough test, but it it will be a step up from Arkansas State and Toledo. Um that's really all I got. Uh do you guys have any closing thoughts?
2: Yeah, on Earl? that. Like that's where uh going back to just atmosphere and kind of the energy next week is it's going to be what it is. And yeah. that's an early kick. We we all know what the drill is there. We don't expect, you know, 106 to just be killing it on the NCAA 07 decibel meter (laughs) where they can't audible or like have to call timeout. That's, that's whatever. But even like the Toledo game, that's a late kick. So hopefully there's a little, little, little juice for whatever that is for the young guys and give them a little bit of a feel. But then that, that Wisconsin game is TBD on the time and that's the blackout game. So I don't have Wisconsin schedule in front of me. If they take care of business, hopefully they'll be undefeated even if they aren't a, legitimate top 10 top five team but at that point you would think they would creep up into the top 15 and you have another atmosphere of hey let's bring it and it's it's easy to do it for michigan it's easy to do it for notre dame Mm -hmm. you need to do it for wisconsin and you need to have that they need to uh
0: so they play washington state and new mexico state so washington state but that that should be a 3-0 Wisconsin team heading into yeah. the shoe on September
2: 24th. So you got you got that vibe and you keep up the energy and I I I think the this was actually the way this team is looking to shake out this is the perfect schedule for it. Is you get that immediate test right away because what conversation are we having? What can we really take away if the defense looks good against Arkansas? It'd just State be bullshitting. We'd be bullshitting. Yeah. Again and it's like you we go into this down. game of okay, now now really what what is it? And I think if you reverse it and they blow out Arkansas State in game one, and then they play Notre Dame game two and they win twenty-one to ten, maybe we we feel great about the defense still, but the offense we're like. Uh I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's kind of rough. So I, I think that the way this is laying out is is pretty nice, and now they just need to be able to continue it. And we, we've seen this offense, we've seen this team put up big stats. It's not about that this year. It's not about Jackson Smith and Jigba having sixteen hundred yards receiving. We we know he can do that. He doesn't need to play mm-hmm. the next two weeks, probably, but he, he probably will. But this is about this team peaking as the season goes on and getting better. And I think that everything right now after week one, it's setting up nice. And I, I'm, I don't speak for y'all or everybody else in the fan base, but it feels like we've all kind of either been at the team or at each other's throats now for like the, ever since that Clemson game and this game for the most part kind of feels like everybody is just enjoying it. Even if there mm-hmm. are some things that are like, Hey, this, they can, they can get better in these areas. It's just enjoyable to watch a fun team. And honestly, they look like they were having fun for the first time in a while. And so that that's infectious. And you don't have to be in the crowd to be able to feel that. You can feel that on TV. That means something. And if that team has if this team has that vibe all year, then hey man, we're we're in for a good one. Mm. Like and again, like I, I think you say, like, you know,
1: I mean it's Sometimes being an Ohio state fan is, is exhausting, right? Like it's, it's just like, there is no fun in it, but like that felt like a fun game felt like a fun win. And like, I haven't felt fun with a win since like that, that Clemson game a couple years back. And like, you know, even that you're like, well, then you, you get it spoiled by the national championship or whatever. But you know, like again, like I really appreciate them starting with a tough game. So that way we don't have that question. Um, the, of course, who knows in November, right? Like what this game, how this game ages, right? Like if, if Notre Dame stinks, because I think there is a question out there, um, just looking at Marcus Freeman's career record as a, uh,
2: as a head football coach. He's on pace uh, to never win a game. I don't know if people knew that. saying zero,
1: <laughs> zero wins through, the, you know,
0: 100%. 0.000 winning percentage.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, not, not great. Um, we, we look for that to, to improve. You always hate to see, um, you know, maybe he can talk to the, uh, the alumni department. Maybe they can find him a job. Um, if, if it continues down this path, like maybe he could be like a, you know, in the in the career advising or something like that, um, Colton, is it you who posts the
2: video of of him all the time? Oh yeah, from the from the USC game. I Indeed. really that's that's my one disappointment. Was like if they would have blown him out, I the only thing I wanted to see was Ryan Day call the little wheel route and yeah, be Laura. able to be like, oh my god, Ryan Day <laughs> actually did it. Like that's that is not a petty. That's like fuck you, dude. And I, I'm very disappointed we didn't get that moment. They should've done it on the last
0: drive. Should have done it on the last Well um actually um the the it's a shame because uh Stroud was pressured early, but the the rollout pass to uh, Mayan on the last touchdown drive was actually a a wheel route by Williams. And it would have had a lot of open grass if uh if if there wasn't early pressure. Um so you know. At least they got that in.
2: That would have been beautiful. I still think those guys should have had to, him and Lauren Nita should have had to go to the Ohio State locker room and sing (laughs) Carmen Ohio (laughs) to the whole locker room and then see Grant's in there judging him (laughs) like he's fucking Simon Cowell (laughs) on American Idol from 2008. Just like, no, this sucks. Get out of my
1: locker room. You're done. I think Ryan Day should have, you know, and I didn't get to see the the handshake. Um, Like Kirby Smart uh, with Lanning this weekend did a little bit of a, like, I wouldn't say, like, held him, but, like, he, he definitely, like, lingered there for a little bit, like, kind of drink it in, like, maybe whispering some sweet nothings to him. But I do wish Ryan Day had done that a little bit more, where, like, you know, hey, man, like, you'll always be one of us, you know, like, you know, just a little bit of a linger there, you know, even though uh, allegedly it was the worst decision he ever made in his life to attend Ohio State, so... um you know, you hope he finds his way,
0: um,
1: James uh, Laurinaitis. I, I uh, hope he
0: finds his way, not in South Bend. I'll say yeah. that,
1: George, George, uh, James um I will say that that uh, that linebacking core group there. Um, I don't. I don't think they had their greatest game, but uh, you know, uh, I, I do however know that uh ohio state is still covered from a uh shock jock perspective i'm, I'm sure there's somebody hosting his radio show uh mm-hmm. you just so. have to think god damn man what a what a game does anybody do you guys want to talk about any other games this weekend uh
0: i kind of got to get out of here but uh i mean uh LSU losing on a block PAT is very 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 <laughs> I funny. That. That was uh, I
2: I just wanted to talk just, yeah. just, just hear
1: that.
2: There was yeah. it was so poetic too because that like we all know the we all know the deal here like that last play people can say what they want about technicality wise. Yeah, he, was, he, was was no he he was in bounds. No fucking reason that they yeah. should have let them the game should have been over. Yeah. And yeah. if yeah. a coach Brian Kelly whoever is like but there was still one second left. It's like Brian, do you think you could have spiked the ball there? And no like we, we all we all Hell saw no. it with our eyes. And the fact that they had all those special teams mistakes and it ended like that, like, uh, just just perfect. And hey, for what Notre Dame lost on the actual football field. They had two moral victories this weekend. Yeah, I feel great for the guys.
0: I'm sure their fans are taking solace, and uh, I don't even begrudge them for taking like Everyone likes to take solace in Brian Kelly losing. So um, on that note, uh, it's the regular season. We're back. The Buckeyes are back. Um, Hopefully we see a little bit more uh, gelling from C.J. Stroud and his new wide receiver core um, and a healthy Jackson Smith and Jigba. But apart from that, I think we're all feeling pretty good. Heading into week two and week three and some tune-up yeah. games, um, go Bucks!
1: Yeah, go Bucks, Colton. Thanks for joining us. We really oh yeah, Colton, you plug your stuff. On. Yeah, Col- Colton, plug plug your stuff. Best man uh, we- on the internet. Uh, I'll say that we we do hope to have him back on the pod uh, as the season goes on. As we've learned, he likes to talk about the good things. So hopefully, after a few Buckeyes wins, we can have uh, Colton back on. Uh, but yeah, we do appreciate you coming on.
2: Boys, I'm I'm so glad to have come on anytime, and I, I love getting on here and talking about a win and just not having to yell about all the bullshit constantly. And I can't wait. This season is going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, if you guys want to uh, check out my highlights, YouTube.com/slash Colton Denning. All the Ohio State stuff is going to be up there. The SkyCam highlights are up there. I'm going to have a link to the full SkyCam broadcast uh, posted up tomorrow, and you can check that on my Twitter at DubsCo, uh, stripecpdcom and then I have my uh, podcast review of this game coming out tonight. So two stripes podcasts on Apple and on Spotify. You check it out there. And uh, boys, literally anytime, I am always happy to join, and I'm glad to see you guys out here, uh, out here killing it. Keep doing your thing, and uh, I'm I'm honored and grateful to be a guest of yours. Well, we appreciate it, Colton. Thanks again. Go Bucks.
0: Go Bucks.